Good morning, Four Hoax Church. Wow. Friday. Goodness, could it be? Yes, it is. September 1st. Can't you feel the, the brisk fall air? No, 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 no. We're still right smack dab in the middle of hurricane season. So <clears throat> hope everybody rode the storm out okay. And sorry that we had to vacate our normal uh, broadcast times on Wednesday and Thursday but I'm sure you understand. And so, but now we are here at the end of the week and we are wrapping up an abbreviated week, abbreviated devotional schedule here as we study Matthew chapter nine. We're talking about fasting. And because we missed a couple of days, I'm gonna try to condense very quickly uh, some important points into a couple of things to hang our hats on. And then, of course, if you're here Sunday, or even if you're not, you can listen in um, after the fact. Uh, you can hear the sermon on this text where I can give a little bit more exegetical background. But let me read the passage, and then let's wrap things up for the week. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. And just as a, as a brief review... This question about fasting has arisen out of the fact that Jesus and his disciples have been having a banquet, a feast with Matthew and the tax collectors and sinners. And not only is this offensive to the Pharisees because of whom they're eating with, this, this to them constituted uh, religious defilement, something if Jesus was a real preacher, a real teacher, a real rabbi of God, he wouldn't do. But not only does that offend them, but it also offends them because they are eating and feasting on what is seemingly a fast day. So while the Old Testament only commands fasting, commands fasting for one day of the year for Jews in the Old Testament, that was for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Um, now there were other times, obviously, the people of God fasted um, to mourn, to seek after God, to lament, to repent. Uh, Daniel is a good is a good example of this when you read read, read his book. But this was there was only one time it was commanded. Well. The Pharisees had developed a rabbinical tradition outside of the scriptures that mandated that the religious elite, the ruling class of Pharisees and others, would fast twice a week, two days a week. Remember the, the parable where the publican is in the temple and he says, thank the Lord I'm not, or actually the, the Pharisees in the temple and says, thank the Lord I'm not like this publican or tax collector. I fast twice a week. So ostensibly what's happened is that the Pharisees and John the Baptist's disciples have stumbled onto Jesus and his merry band of disciples partying with sinners on a fast day. And they asked the question, um, why don't you guys fast? And here, this is where Jesus um, gives us a glimpse into how he changes everything. Because what Jesus does, he first answers their question about fasting but then he expands this out to address not just fasting, but really all of reality. 
and in essence, this is, this is what he says about fasting. Um, I'm the bridegroom. And so in the Old Testament, the bridegroom was God. But Jesus said, now I am the bridegroom and I have come. And the thing that you have been hoping, waiting for, longing for um, in the Old Covenant has now come to be. And as long as I'm with you, there's no need to fast. I'm here. I'm celebrating. I'm bringing life in the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus does say there will be a day when I leave. And this is the first time in Matthew's gospel that Jesus alludes to the fact that he will be going away. And so here Jesus says there will be a time I'll be departing and then you will fast. And of course, um, scripture bears out that fasting is to be a discipline for Christians and church history bears this out as well. So what does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? When you fast, don't fast like the Pharisees, but fast in this way, fast in secret, make it a matter between you and God. We see that in the history of the church, fasting has always been a discipline of God's people. But, but fasting in the new covenant is, is the same, but very different than fasting in the old covenant. Because in the Old Covenant, the people of God were lamenting, they were waiting, they were hoping. But now in the New Covenant, when we fast, when we seek God, we're, 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 we're doing so in the hope and the promise that God has fulfilled his promises in Jesus. Messiah has come. Messiah has established his kingdom. He is ruling and reigning, and he is king. Now, granted, the final fulfillment of this is yet to come, but that's where fasting comes in. So now we are not just merely fasting in anticipation, although we are, we're fasting in a certain hope. We're fasting and seeking God full of confidence and assurance that Jesus has already said and done what he said he was going to do. We are saved. Our salvation is secure. And so we, we, we are what I would kind of call eschatological fasters, right? We, we fast with a sure and certain hope, um, not a distant reality, but in fact, Jesus Christ himself. Now, this brings up, of course, a lot of questions about the nature of fasting. And, and just three things, and I jotted them down here, that I, that I want to say about fasting now under the, old, under the new covenant. First, a helpful resource, if you want to know more about this, is Hunger for God by John Piper. It's a series of sermons that he turned into a book. It's the most comprehensive, exhaustive biblical resource on fasting that I am aware of. It is, um, it is excellent. Number two, I would encourage all of us to broaden our definition of fasting as extending beyond food. Um, we need to think about fasting in terms of those things that we think we can't live without, but which God would wed our hearts from them in order to endear a greater devotion to him. So, so think about this. We, we could think about um, fasting from social media, fasting from television, fasting from sports, fasting from alcohol, fasting from technology, okay? And again, the Bible doesn't give us strict rules here, but there seemingly needs to be some sort of rhythm in our life where we're abstaining from the good gifts of God so that those good gifts do not become ultimate gifts and turn into uh, soul-destroying gifts, right? Because that's what an idol is, a good thing that, becomes a, that, that we make an ultimate thing and becomes a very bad, terrible, destructive thing. And so, 
So broaden your scope to things beyond food. Include food, absolutely, okay, but, but broaden it from there. Third, let me just encourage us to start slow, start small, be realistic, and don't get discouraged. So in other words, some people come right out of the shoot saying, well, I'm going to imitate Jesus and do a 40-day fast, and they about kill themselves, right? Um, because they, 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 they're not prepared for that sort of regimen. We can only guess that, that fasting was already a part of Jesus's regimen before he did this 40 days. But, but, but start slow. Start, um, start by thinking about a meal or two meals. Um, start small, right? Um, say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast from breakfast this morning and spend that time in prayer in the Word. Or I'm going to fast from, uh, from lunch today and spend that time in prayer in the Word. Or I'm going to go from sun up to sundown. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat dinner uh, one night, and then I'm going to go to bed praying. No late bowls of ice cream or cinnamon toast crunch. And I'm going to fast the whole next day until it's dinner time again. Um, one, be realistic, right? Um, we are wed to food as a culture in a way I'm not sure any culture has ever been in the history of mankind. And so our bodies can absolutely um, go into shock, right? Um, and all of us may have had experiences where we've tried different kinds of fasting on and off for health or medical or, or even spiritual reasons, and we feel like we failed. We feel like we're dying. We feel like... And that's all to be expected. That's why I say start slow, start small, be realistic, and listen, don't get discouraged. Don't think about fasting as something to pursue um, in and of itself, like you get a grade at the end. Remember, fasting is simply a tool in which to, a conduit, if you, if you will, that allows us to more diligently and single-heartedly pursue God and pursue Christ. And so when we, when we understand that, then I think it can establish some realistic parameters by which, by God's grace, um, these things can become a more regular part of your life. Now, there's, Jesus ends with two illustrations here, and it's obvious that he goes from teaching about fasting to really teaching about the whole scope of life, right? He teaches about putting new patches on old garments, and new wine into old wineskins. And these are obviously paradigms that Jesus is simply saying, I am, I'm the wine, I'm the new wine. And the, the existing structures, the existing paradigms can't hold me. They can't, they can't uh, accommodate me, right? Rather, um, because of, of who I am, Everything else in life has to be accommodated to me. And so because I'm the new wine skin, then I have a different level of ownership and kingship and authority over all of life. And so it's not so much that we do different things as believers, although in certain cases we do, but we do things differently. So it's not just fasting that we do differently, we rest differently. We recreate differently. We're married differently. We parent differently. And this really speaks this idea of the all-encompassing reality of the presence of Jesus over all of our life. 
that, that, that we cannot accommodate Jesus to our life. We can't wedge him in. We can't attach him as an addendum. He reigns. He is all-encompassing. And because of that, um, he is the new wine, and we have to embrace this new gospel reality. It's, not, it's true. Not only does Jesus change fasting, but Jesus changes everything. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that this Sunday. So hope you're there to join us on Labor Day weekend at Four Oaks. If not, listen in, tune in, stream, um, download it later for your podcast, listening, your exercise, whatever you do. I hope you guys have a great Labor Day weekend. Just a programming note, we will not do this devotional on Monday, Labor Day, okay? We'll be back here on Tuesday, I think, if I'm doing the math right, I think that's the 5th. So Tuesday morning, we'll be back here. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you rode the storm out okay. If you need any help, contact the church office, 850-385-0004. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Lord, you change everything. You make claims on all of our life. And so, Lord, because of that, uh, we entrust ourselves to you. Lord, go before us today. Go before us this weekend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend.